0: My job is driving me crazy. Sorry. Do you hate your job or does your job hate you? Sorry. Ah. Sorry. I can't find the answer to the question I heard. Ah. My career crisis.
1: Hello and welcome to My Career Crisis. Thank you so much for downloading and hopefully subscribing to our podcast. My name's Ruth Barnes um, and uh, we have got a... Well, a fascinating story today. It's one of those stories where sometimes in your life you have to press pause and in your career, whatever reason that might be. My experience, um, quite a few times in my life, I've had to quit and start again because my dad, hi, dad, um, would always, always gave me that advice. He was like, nothing is ever worth, you know, kind of slogging it out doing if you hate it. Just walk away. If you want to walk away just down tools and walk away. But I'm lucky, I guess, because he's always been there for me um, in quite a wonderful way. So when I quit my job working um, for a PR company when I was 22, I think it was, living in London, broke as anything, he drove down to Archway in his station wagon and picked me up and all my vinyl and my record player and just drove me straight home. um, And I ended up spending a week in bed and it was wonderful. And sometimes you just need to do those things. Um, And I, I kind of... I pivoted to use that uh that word and started again. Um and I think that something similar has happened to our guest today, Annie, um who's joining us in the studio. But first let's say hello to Sue, who is our Expert, you called me up on that last time. Do we want to call you something different? No, no, I don't mind. Call me, what, Queen of Sheba, <laughs> Queen I don't mind. I don't mind. Expert and Queen of Sheba. But, no, the reason I, I sort of challenge
2: expert is I mean, who is an expert? What the hell does that mean? You know, What so in my case, what it means is I'm I'm old and I've done a lot of stuff. That's that's what it means. I've also made loads of mistakes, and I've, I hope I've learned from most of them. And if that makes me an expert, you can call me an expert. But, um, you know, in terms of um, in terms of have I got qualifications? Well, I've got some, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, but going back to what you were saying at the beginning, I think it's really good to focus sometimes on the fact that most things fail. At the beginning, most things fail. Um, and if they didn't fail, we wouldn't get better and better and better. But it's almost like if we fail in anything, it's it's terminal for us. It knocks so much confidence. I think this is particularly a case with women more. Um, but I think it's really good to sort of see failure as a step towards something else. And I'm sure we can talk
1: about that. In more detail. Well, we had an email from Annie, um, who joins us in the studio. Hello, welcome, Hello. welcome. Um, I loved your email because you began with "I am in full career crisis mode," <laughs> and I just thought, right, I'm not going to read the rest of this email. She's coming on the, she's coming on. Um, so, welcome along. And you know, I, 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 I like uh, your story really resonates. I think because there's quite a few things that we haven't actually touched on yet in this series, which I think are going to resonate with a lot of people.
3: Um, but tell us first of all what happened to you at the end of last year. Oh, crikey. Um, So at the end of last year, I mean, I've been working in sort of much like you but you managed to get over at age 22 um, communications uh, for about the last 15 years um, and essentially my thing has always been writing I always wanted to be a journalist I was too terrified to do it because it was too big a thing for me to fail at um, so I thought well I'm good at writing this will make me some money and I kind of went down that road um, but throughout the whole of it I sort of I always felt quite claustrophobic. I always just felt it wasn't quite me. The whole office thing, stupid things like having a certain amount of holiday you're allowed to take a year just drove me insane. Um, And I've sort of carried on and carried on and got more and more senior. And, you know, you make more money and you sort of think, well, I'm a grown up now. I have a mortgage. I need to do this. And then at the end of last year... A series of things happened to me, but basically everything just went wrong. And I was doing about five people's jobs at work. And essentially, I just keeled over and couldn't stop crying and uh, eventually got signed off work. And it was sort of, it was almost as if I'd sort of been ignoring the signs all along. And then the universe had gone, do you know what? We're just going to screw everything up for you and see what you do with it. Um, So I took a bit of time out and I went away. And um, I sort of reassessed everything. And it's funny, when you take a step back, you sort of go, oh, shit, this isn't right at all. What have I been doing <laughs> with my life? Um, hence my email to you in that I am sort of in... I've kind of got a vague plan of next steps, but it's still very much crisis mode. How much does that
1: resonate with you, Sue, in terms of stories that you hear from people? I mean, they're not stories, they people's lives, but this idea that... I think what, what Annie said they are right at the beginning about always wanting to be a journalist, but it was too big an ambition to have, too big a goal to have to ha- allow it to fail. This idea that you're going to fail at it before you've even done it. Mm.
2: But you also said another interesting thing because you said, I really want to write. Do you think that being a
3: journalist does that for you? Hmm. Um, I, I see the challenge in your question. Um, to a certain extent, yes. Um, I mean, I want to write as myself. I mean, I write a lot for other people anyway. The career I've chosen so far, I'm writing all the time. Um, and I've had a lot of things published, but never under my name. Why? That sounds massively egotistical. No, don't it, not no. at all. No, yeah. no it doesn't. Why, why
2: was they not under your name?
3: Uh, because my job as a PR person is always to sort of write press releases or articles or op-ed pieces or speeches, which are always for somebody else to give. That's the job. It's right. to make somebody else look good. Interestingly, I started off as a journalist. Mm. I worked as a journalist for quite a long time.
2: Um, And it's very surprising to me that you say it's it's too big a thing to fail at because it's just a job. Mm. And and actually, unless you're writing your own column or you're writing opinion pieces – most of journalism is about just trying out to find out facts and regurgitating them, you know, or, or picking up on press releases like you send mm. and making a story out of them. But it sounds like you've really inflated this idea of journalist in your head and made it this sort of thing mm. that you can't even attack. So what was behind that comment? You know, it was too big for me to fail at. What did that mean?
3: Um, so that's something I've kind of realised, I suppose, slightly with hindsight. Um, there's, just, there's always been something in me that's made me feel like I can't do it. And maybe you're right, maybe the word journalist is the wrong word. It's to write for a living in some way, shape or form. Um, but I've always shied away from it just because I thought, I don't know, I just wouldn't be good enough. And then the older I've got, and the more I've thought about it. And I've done various comms jobs in news organisations. I've worked at some big newspapers. Um, I've worked at some big news agencies. So I've always sort of surrounded myself with the people that do that. Um, but to answer your question, I don't fully... No. I think that it's, means. I, I think what Sue's getting at here and what I'm
1: hearing as well is what is it that you want to write that mm. is that does have your name mm. underneath it? Is it your take on the news? Is it writing like I've done for a long time about new music? that's mm. all I did for ages, which yes, it, in some ways it was my opinion, but in other ways, it was just me giving a platform to, to bands that I believed in. Mm. Or is it writing a book? I mean, we've all apparently got a book in us. What, what is it? This idea of wanting to write is such a
3: big idea. What is it that you want to write? Um, So, again, that's something I've been thinking about a lot recently because, you know, the first thing anyone says to you when you say you want to write is, right, you need to start a blog. Mm. And I write. I write every day. I have all sorts of things knocking around, but there isn't... A thing, mm. and that's why I haven't started my blog because I can't bloody decide what it should be about. Mm. Um, but no, it's not necessarily news, it's definitely not fiction. I'm terrible at writing fiction, so I don't think it's <laughs> a book necessarily um but For example, I went to, I've got quite into yoga in the last six months. I've become a sort of sight raving wannabe hippie. Um, And I went to a very strange, I had a very strange experience last week. I went to a transformational breathing workshop, which is hands down the weirdest bloody thing I've ever done in my life. (laughs) Um, But all the way through, oh God. So essentially you're lying on your back in a room full of about 40 other people. You have sort of the severed head of a bottle of water in your mouth to keep your mouth open, and essentially it's a breathing technique. And the idea is that we sort of store a lot of trauma and things in our bodies, and so a lot of stuff that you're not even consciously aware of, you're holding on to. Um, and it's a technique to sort of let that go. But honestly, it was... I can't even describe it. There was sort of grown men sobbing to one side of me. There's sort of somebody shrieking over here. It's just... And you're lying there with a bottle in your mouth going, what the hell am I doing? And, you know, weird things like that... I like writing about because it makes me laugh. Um, I went on a yoga retreat the week before. I wrote a review of that for a, um online fitness travel website thing. Um, okay, so well, this is getting closer. This is this is actually... Stuff that I do and yeah. stuff that I experience. Well, I mean, yoga was a big part of what happened at the
1: end of last year, wasn't yeah. it? Because your, the trip that you mentioned mm. was a trip to Mexico where you went on a yoga retreat and you had a transformative experience with Drew Barrymore. <laughs> I think we had to just throw that in there. Yeah, and I
2: think we need to know what think that is. I we need to know what that was yeah, as well, yeah. so...
3: Tell us a bit more about that. <laughs> um, so I sort of i i got i got signed off work and I was sitting in my flat, sort of on my own, basically unable to function. Um, and I just thought I'm never going to feel better if I just sit here on my own and I don't do anything differently. And I had a very strong feeling that I needed to get away. I needed to certainly need leave London. I probably needed to leave the country, which I felt incredibly guilty about because, you know, I'd been signed off work and was technically ill. Um, and I sort of thought, well, I can't go on a lovely jaunt because that'll look awful. But I went to talk to my doctor and he said, actually, I think something like that would be good. So go forth with my blessing. Um, and I'd done a couple of kind of yoga retreat things before and just found them psychologically very helpful because you take a lot of time out and you sort of you sit with all the shit in your head and you kind of can't help but deal with it. Um, Anyway, very long story short, I ended up in Tulum in Mexico, which is a very sort of I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's a a beautiful place. and It's a very sort of posh hippie hangout. Um, So I did a yoga retreat there and just met some incredible people and lots of like-minded wonderful souls and talked about a lot of this stuff Uh, and one of the people on this retreat happened to be Drew Barrymore (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I sort of had this strange day when we went to, um, they have these cenotes in Mexico which is sort of these beautiful underground freshwater sort of cave systems and they open up into beautiful lakes here and there and we went to one of these lakes one day and um, I'm terrified of heights and I'm not a terribly good swimmer so for me jumping into a body of water is pretty much one of the scariest things I can do which I know sounds pathetic but for me huge deal um, and there was a platform that was probably about five meters above this lake um, and a few people were sort of jumping into it and I went up to take a photo and sort of somebody said Oh jump in I was like you've got to be shitting me there is absolutely no way that's going to happen um anyway then drew barrymore turned up and she told me to jump in and when drew barrymore tells you to do something you kind of feel like maybe you should do it um so i manned up and screamed and shouted and uh made a huge fuss out of it but i bloody did it and you know what as small a thing as it seems i felt like Beyonce after that. I felt I could do anything. And just, it really made me understand that, you know, people talk about, ooh, do something every day that scares you. But you know what? It bloody works.
2: (laughs) Can Can I just make an observation? You are so hard on yourself. If I, you know the words that you're using to describe and you keep undercutting yourself all the time you'll say something and you'll say I know that sounds pathetic I know that doesn't sound very much will you just stop doing that please it's just because this is the narrative that you're keeping telling yourself that you know you're not as good as this. I mean, you look fabulous. You've, you've had, no. I know it's not a career that's made you happy. But actually, when you say there are, you know, people wanting to write, you, you are doing a career that a lot of other people might want to do. And you're actually successful at it. Comms is not easy. And it's, it's quite competitive. And you've succeeded in that. Now, I know it's not something that you particularly wanted to succeed in, but it's almost like that doesn't matter. That doesn't, you know, and, and, and I again, I think this is quite a female characteristic. Mm. I was doing some CV work with somebody recently. And um, when I looked at the CV, it was really not very good. But as we're talking, so many different things came out. And I kept saying, why isn't that in the CV? And it's almost like, well, I can do that. So why would you need to put that down? Because other people don't know that you Mm -hmm. can do that. And uh, I don't know where it's come from, but you have um, you've got this now shtick which you do, which is that you're putting yourself down all the time. And the things that you have achieved, you're a published writer. But it's like it's nothing. You know, how many other people would like to be published? You've actually done that. But it's so what does uh, this is a question I often ask. What does success look like? Mm. what
3: would that be for you? Um, So for me, so my sort of my next steps that I am doing is I've decided to, I need to keep carrying on doing the comms work to make money because I have a mortgage and I need to eat. Um, So I'm starting doing contract work. So I have a short term contract which starts at the end of July, which I'll be doing four days a week. And what I want to do with that sort of extra day a week or two days or whatever I can make it is find a way to be able to make some money from writing and keep those two running in parallel. And eventually, to answer your question, success looks like not having to do the comms stuff and just writing for a living. But that's where I struggle because I don't know how to make that happen. Well, no, it's going to be a work
2: in progress. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's interesting in in, in light of um, events that have happened recently in terms of things like terrorist attacks and things like that. People seem to be saying when you hear the discussion and the noise around these things that they, they want to live in a life where there's no risk. You know, what... For me, I'm more surprised that more people don't die. And when you actually think about people dying in something like a terrorist attack in Europe, I'm not talking about the Middle East now, but in Europe, where, say, 20 people die, which is horrendous. It's horrendous. But the chances of you dying on the motorway are much, much Mm. higher and isn't it and and what you're saying is you know it's a, you're you're a bit risk averse you've taken such a huge step because what you've done is which i think is a brilliant idea you've taken a contract because psychologically what that does for you is to say i've only got to do it for a set amount of time it's not for the rest of my life so i think that will really really help you and you're only doing four days a week which I find people generally who work four days a week are much happier than people who work
3: full time. That's interesting.
2: So you've got got mind space Mm. to try and think about what you can do and actually do it. And I think another problem that gets in people's ways is that they think too much about stuff instead of just doing. You know, when people say to me, I've got writer's block. Why don't you just write? Why don't you just write gibberish? It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be perfectly formed. Just get it out there. You can edit it later. But it's the starting. It's the first line, isn't it, that's so important.
1: And you've made so many life changes that are so positive. It's wonderful. Yeah, Thank especially you. since um, in your email to us, you said that you felt part of what happened at the end of last year is because you had massive imposter syndrome, which is something we haven't talked about on this podcast before, which I think is nuts because I know a lot of people women especially mm. who seem to have imposter syndrome this idea that like yeah I'm, I'm doing it but I don't know why and somebody's going to pull up a veil one of these days and they're all going to see me naked and I'll get <laughs> fired you know and it's literally that that kind of mentality um, Sue is it, it's quite I mean according to Wikipedia <laughs> it is it is particularly common amongst high achieving women why I think it's also very good um, to actually
2: know that there's a recognised syndrome and I found out about that it made me feel so much better <laughs> you know uh, That it I think it doesn't matter who you are, how um, sophisticated you are, how successful you are, there are going to be those moments when you feel like the little girl with her skirt caught in her knickers in the playground, <laughs> you know. And, and I think yeah. it comes to us all. Some people, it comes to them more than, than others. But it's really interesting, this idea. So to, to say that you're an imposter means that there's some kind of like perfect paragon that you're trying to be, right? We don't say to babies who are learning to walk, you're an imposter because you keep falling over. They get up and they do it and they get better and then they become a walker. You know, mm-hmm. quite a simplistic example, but it's, you know, so while while we're struggling to be a writer or something and sometimes we get it wrong and sometimes we fail, why are we then say, oh, that makes me an imposter?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and, and, and what is a fully fledged person who's not an imposter like? Because I can't imagine what that might be like. Um, and I think it's, but if you're going back to what I, the observation that I made about Annie about this constantly undermining yourself, I think that feeds into imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. I mean, a simple example I was working with somebody who, um, she was a television producer, and she had three researchers working for her, one of whom, I felt was the best researcher I'd ever worked with. The other two were very good as well, but a job was coming up as a promotion and I said to this producer, will you be seeing all three of these for the job? And she said, well, these two, maybe not her, the one that I thought was the best. And the reason she wasn't going to see her, because all the time she undermined herself. So we'd be in a meeting and she'd start off the sentence with... Um, This might be a bit of a stupid idea, but, and I think, well, why are you saying it then if it's stupid? You don't really believe that for a minute. Mm. She even said, how I never strangled her, I don't know. Um, I'm having a blonde moment. (laughs) (laughs) You know.
1: What is that? Yeah,
2: It it means um, I'm not a threat. Mm. I'm not a challenge. Mm. So you can completely um, ignore what I'm saying if you want to. That's right. Well, then why, why go in the room? Why speak at all? You know, we get things wrong. Um, I don't know people who don't get things wrong. So why don't we just see that as something that we do rather than something that's terrible?
0: My career crisis. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
1: I want to ask Annie to consider someone who's... um emailed in uh, with a question and maybe you've got some advice for them, because you're someone who's spent a lot of time thinking about life way and too much time stuff let's see <laughs> if you've got any wisdom <laughs> for uh, Daphne in St Leonard's who says help I just had a very important breakfast meeting and I don't know whether it was because it was early morning or whether I just got it totally wrong But I made a bit of a fool out of myself and said two things that I really regret. I was tired having not slept much. We've all been there. And I was a bit shit, frankly. And I know that there's nothing I can do about it now. I almost wish I was less self-aware so that I could ignore the stupid things I said. That resonates, I think, doesn't Mm -hmm. it? That kind of idea of instant regret after something and then it just hounding you instead
3: of just letting it go. Absolutely. And you'll, you know, I know that if she's anything like me, she will be playing that conversation back to herself for days and days and days. Um... I've done that many times before. In fact, in my most recent job, I sort of—I actually find myself emailing people afterwards. And you'll, too, you'll probably want to punch me in the face when I say this, but I sort of email them going, "I'm so terribly sorry, I did this thing and it was awful." Um, so I think the only advice I can give, and um, I need to take this myself, frankly, is just give yourself a break, mm. and also understand that most people are not thinking about you. Most people do not spend their whole time obsessing about you and what you've done. We're all caught up in our own thing. Whoever you were having the breakfast meeting with was probably thinking about, I don't know, what they did the night before or what stupid thing they said or the fact that they had a bit of bacon sticking out the side of their mouth. Um, so just cut yourself some slack.
1: And we need to just own it, don't we? The Americans are so right, the mm. Americans oh, as a group. Bless the Americans. Own yes. it. Just own it. Own your behaviour, I suppose. What do you But, say, but the see? thing
2: is, it's done. It's yeah. gone. Yeah. You've done it. Whatever it is you've done, you've done. Um, I think it's worth always thinking about something once. Mm. Um, my problem is I never think enough. So I have to force myself <laughs> to think, oh, you screwed that one up. Um, and then why did I screw it up? Well, because I was knackered. Well, what does that tell me? Then maybe I need not to have breakfast meetings or, you know, think about it before I go to have a decent night's sleep, whatever. Um, so I think it's always worth revisiting something once and then only if you think you're going to do something d- different. But what I would also say, what are the consequences? If the consequences are dire then I would do something I would maybe ring them up and say I think we got off on the wrong foot this morning I don't think it was firing on all cylinders I'd love to see you again they may not agree which is fair enough Mm. but so and I've tried to do something to put it right but basically what's done is done and you thinking over and over and over again is not going to make it any better it's only going to make it worse not only that it might make you more fearful for the future as well and make you really self-conscious about what you're saying so there's absolutely no point
1: um, Annie, there's two things that you've said to me that that make, well said to us today, that make me quite excited about you starting this new contract job. So the first thing is that it's four days a week, which yeah. is something that Sue's jumped on as well. I think that's great. I'm excited for you because I have a lot of creative friends who work four days a week in jobs that are a bit meh. But on day five and maybe, you know, half of the weekend as well, mm. they just do the creative job. They do the job that they enjoy. But that doesn't always make the money and I think that there's a couple of key things that you could do. You've, you've also mentioned the interest in, in yoga and in these, what was it? Transcendental breathing? Transitional Transformational. breathing? Transformational. Transformational, mm. of course. Um, you know, these, are the, but, but also writing about them with a bit of a wry yeah. take, yeah. Uh, which I love. Mm. Maybe there's a way you can combine those two things. If you're happy to work for nothing, I mean I think Absolutely. that's going to be yeah. the key is maybe interning at a publication that you really like that might, you said you've already written for For somebody about the yoga retreat, maybe there's a way of of you know bringing that into day five that Friday or whichever day it is that you just go and you hang about in an office all day. I'd love to do you know. And I think that you're at that that. point in your life where you have got that humility where you'll just say, "Sure, I'll come and sit and make the tea, and I just want to watch you guys. I want to come to your editorial meeting. You know, I've I might have some ideas I want to pitch you because. I feel like that the the advice to just start a blog is really terrifying and just putting something out there in the ether when you don't have a direct editorial idea mm. or something burning inside mm. you that you want to say that's terrifying you're never going to do that. Mm. I say don't do the blog.
3: <laughs> yes, you know, really
1: just set yourself free from that because that's daunting mm. and actually quite hellish even just setting up the bloody thing. Nightmare. Mm. Don't forget it. Don't do it. Like, focus somewhere else a, a positive experience I think of people who are going to support you, you know, and and are already kind of doing what it is you want to do.
3: Mm.
1: Whether that leads to paid work, I don't know. But Mm. I don't think it's about that for you at the moment. It's about exercising that muscle that needs to be exercised and and seeing where it leads.
2: I I think what's so heartening as well, because freelancing or contract work doesn't suit everybody. But what I think is so good about this is instead of being... I think one of the reasons why you got so wound up before was because you had this contract of employment with an employer And and psychologically, they sort of own you, Mm. do do, do you know what I mean? But what you're saying is, no, no, you don't own me. I'm going to come and work for you for four days a week on my terms and it's going to come to an end and then I might go and work for somebody else or I might not. I'll take a view. But it's very empowering. What seems really key to me was you have been so hard on yourself that it's surprising that what happened last year didn't happen before because you're, you're just putting so much pressure on yourself to be... To be high achieving to be perfect and you're saying maybe this was about the fact that i didn't follow my dream of going to journalism i think it's more about you being really really hard on yourself there's a there's a simple trick which i've used with my daughter since she was tiny but it's about keeping a record of stuff that you're good at and right you, you get a book and you're not allowed to write anything in it that's not positive so you have um uh You meet Drew Barrymore, you just write a couple of paragraphs about it, but what positive experience it was, how you felt really good, you jumped into that lake. But it could also be um, you had a really interesting discussion with somebody on a bus, or you've managed to get yourself a contract for four days a week. You know, Just write it full of positive stuff. And then when you're really feeling like shit, you can just go and read it and think, I am not that bad, (laughs) really.
1: Because none of us is really that bad. Um, How can other people look out for the signs of a crisis of confidence and I might ask Annie first what what was it the first thing mm. that made you think hang on something something big is going on here um
3: so I think there'd always been actually something bubbling away so see to your point I think things did happen earlier on and I just changed jobs instead of sort of actually analyzing and assessing because I was always thinking oh well if I can get this job then everything will be fine and of course life doesn't work like that um But I think, well, I think the classic was when I found myself crying in the loos quite a lot (laughs) and sort of thinking, I'm sure this is totally normal. And it's amazing (laughs) what you can justify to yourself when you're in that zone. And you'll make up any excuse. You'll go, oh, well, it's because I'm tired or, you know, well, I'm covering for these people who've left in my team and I haven't been able to replace them. So it's all going to be fine. Um, Yeah, weeping generally, not great. Um, And just also I found... I wasn't enjoying weekends, so even my time when I wasn't at work, I was just miserable. Interesting. All the time. Um, Yeah, those are two classic signs, I think.
2: I mean, I think if you're getting uh, bad-tempered more than you usually are... um, We've spoken before about, you know, Sunday night thinking, oh, my God, I've got to go into work tomorrow. That is not good. Um, I've done my fair share of crying in toilets um, and actually uh, blamed the job for that. But I think it was more about me. And remember, you can't change other people. You can only change yourself. the the Going to another job, I think, is very interesting because you think to yourself, I can reinvent myself and everything will be new if people don't know me. But you forget that you're taking this sort of... um, invisible suitcases a suitcase of crap around with you the whole time you know I was working with somebody who's having terrible trouble with their boss and um we were doing some coaching and she said um I I think it's probably best because it's reached such a state now I'll just leave and I'll go somewhere else and I go I wouldn't stop you doing that if that's what you want to do but do you think in the new job that there won't be somebody like your boss in that new job and all you're doing is delaying the inevitable. You have really got to get to grips with why this situation is happening and why I'm responding in the way I am. It's mm-hmm. you that you need to do the work on. Not, you can't work on other
3: people.
1: That's a really good advice about, you know, not fleeing people because they're, people are the same everywhere you go yeah. in every organisation and there's always one and they kind of, they haunt you and they come in different shapes and sizes. And actually learning actually just how to deal with them, I think, is the key. And, and that's about reflecting on yourself, isn't it?
2: The, the, the time when I finally realised that I had to do something about myself, I was a journalist and I worked in a newsroom. And um, at, it was in the early 80s because I'm very old. And um,
1: I Is was that it, when people still got drunk and then wrote the six o'clock oh, news? Oh, yes, yes. Yes, it was.
2: And not only that, I was the only woman in that newsroom. Oof. Wow. You
1: know, yeah, which tough.
2: is, And um, what happened was that I remember sometimes we, we were having a... I, I was just working and somebody was having a discussion about... A Miss Wet T-shirt competition. Yeah, you can tell what age we're in. And my initial thought was, um, firstly, this is bad radio. And secondly, um, you know, why should we be putting stuff like that on the air? But I didn't want to have another row because I was always rowing. So I tried to make myself look as small as possible. But inevitably, one of them said to me, you're on a late shift tomorrow. Do you think you could cover this? And I just lost it. You know, I went into full rant. And then I realised that they were laughing at me because they'd made it up. Oh, no. And so I went to the toilets and had a cry. Um, I spent quite a lot of time in that toilet at the time. And I remember that night I was going out uh, with a friend of mine for a drink. And she listened to me ranting on about this because I was obviously quite upset. And she said to me, um, I've started doing assertiveness training, she said, and I really think you you would benefit from it. And I was aghast at this because I said, me, Assert- you must be joking. You know, no, nobody needs to tell me how to do things. And she said, if you don't mind me saying, I think sometimes you can be quite aggressive, So And this doesn't put any good light on me, but I went mainly to prove her wrong. (laughs) And uh, I remember really distinctly the woman training on this course said to me, do you see yourself as a powerful woman? And I said, obviously, modestly, I like to think so. Mm. And she said, because I don't. And it really brought me up short. And I said, why not? And she said, it's like you've got a jacket on with a button on it, which says if you want to wind her up, push this. (laughs) And I'd never thought about it like that and that's when I started thinking I've got to do something about myself because obviously I'm a liability (laughs) (laughs) so that's why it makes me laugh when you call me an expert I just think it's so funny
1: (laughs) you're just someone who's been there Uh, you've been there and you've done it Well, Annie, you know, good luck with the new contract. And how are you feeling about it? You seem to be in quite a positive
2: oh mm, God, No, no, no I'm, I'm no. shitting myself. Excellent. Good, good. Absolutely
3: shitting myself. <laughs> I think it's actually been an interesting process because I originally went for a sort of permanent full-time job um, and I was going through the interview process as I was kind of figuring stuff out. And then I don't know how, but finally found the balls to go, actually, do you know what? I don't want to do this. And it was extraordinary. When I did that, they turned around and said, oh, well, that's not necessarily a deal-breaker for us. Can we talk about this? Mm. And so I think because my new boss, I've been sort of... I haven't been totally open, you know. I haven't used the word breakdown. And also, it was extraordinary just going into those interviews, not really giving a shit. Yes. I was able to just say what I thought and not obsess and worry and be terribly anxious that I said the wrong thing. And what does
2: that tell you? That you were totally honest and you were given a job anyway, so you're not that bad, are you?
3: <laughs> I mean, you
2: you would be mad if you weren't a bit nervous about going in. It's mm. a new situation, right? Mm. But there's no need to be any more than a bit nervous. And the first couple of days will be awkward because you'll feel like the new girl at school. Yeah, But... It's fine. They've they obviously really want you because they've allowed you to do four days a week. You're going in this time in a completely different frame of mind mm-hmm. and also on your terms. So I think that should really make you feel more powerful. Mm. I
1: agree. I think the fact that you told them what you want and you've got it. Well, you said actually I don't want this, and they went oh okay, okay, mm. it, that's, that's got to be a big signifier to you, that it's worth just actually being completely honest with how you're I feeling. Know. And often people will come back and go, okay, okay, all right I then. Mean, What's the worst that thing that can happen?
2: Exactly. They
3: say no. Mm. Well,
1: nobody's going to die if they say no. Yes. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. What's, mm. what's your big takeaway then from today, do you think?
3: Um, I think, you know, see so you absolutely hit the nail on the head with the the confidence issue um and that's something that I've known about but actually just having somebody quite bluntly say it to me has been sorry about that no 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 no. it's great I love it you know so often in these situations people just sort of sort of say vague platitudes and um so no I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna own it and I'm gonna not be like poor Daphne poor Daphne I mean a simple thing even if
2: inside you're feeling a bit fraudulent Mm. It's about not saying things like, this is pathetic, I'm rubbish at this. And if you don't say it, people will view you in a different way and eventually your confidence will grow. But that's the first little trick you have to mm. try and stop doing.
1: It's removing, I I, I feel like with you, because I do it, but with other kind of words, is you fill in gaps using that kind of language. Mm. As you're talking and as you're thinking, you fill in the gap going, but I mean, I'm just a bit crap. <laughs> and yeah. then you come out with something that's not crap at all. <laughs> um, and I do it using different kind of words. So it's about almost learning how to reprogram how you speak to people. Yeah. Mm. And actually when you feel that, sentence coming out just shut your mouth Yeah, yes. you might look a bit weird for a while <laughs> but just shut your mouth and then say the sentence that actually you know ha- has meaning and is and is a good sentence don't say the thing about you know not being shit yeah, don't say the <laughs> thing about being shit just, just, shut, just shut up um, anyway thank you so much for coming on to the program and uh, if you would like to join us and come and have some blunt advice from Sue then do get in touch at My Career crisis is where we are on Twitter um, and do find us rate and review us on i This has been My Career Crisis. We're back next week with another one. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.